Hey, welcome back to the podcast. And I am excited for you to meet my new friend, Pastor Aisha Young. She is a pastor on staff at Kentwood Community Church, which is up in, well, it's sort of in my backyard, I guess, Grand Rapids area, Michigan. At least we're in the same state. And uh, Kentwood is a Wesleyan church. Uh, it's nice to meet some other sisters in Christ in the Wesleyan Holiness Camp, uh, but also outside of my own denomination. I like that. I like to network a little bit beyond my own circle of influence. And she's a small group coordinator. She has a different title than that, and I forgot to write it down. Anyway, she just oversees uh, and helps the small group leaders with their resources and training and getting connected. And we talk about that a little bit in the episode. Uh, And also, we've had a lot of storms in the area, um, well, pretty much all summer, but particularly over the last couple of weeks. So this episode and the next episode, uh, I think it was just storming. And so anyway, we lost connection in the middle of a really good story. (laughs) So uh, stay all the way on to the end because... Uh, she comes back and, and we do finish that story up. Talk a little bit about the conference also, since she is on the planning committee for the Wesleyan Holiness Women Clergy Conference, which is coming up in May 2022, in case you forgot, uh, and the podcast will be at the conference. So, so anyway, I am excited for you to meet her. Enjoy the episode. We've been trying to tell better stories about women and clergy and the church because we really need to tell better stories. Instead of just complaining about it, what if we flood the airwaves with something different? Thank you for coming on the podcast. (laughs) You know, being able to expand beyond my own denomination and to have other uh, women clergy from other Wesleyan type denominations on the podcast. So I'm, it's been nice to have those other voices. Thank you for having me. And you are West, you're from the Wesleyan church. That's your denomination, right? Yes. All right. So can we just start with where you're serving now and kind of like what your role is, what that looks like? So I am at Kentwood Community Church here in Kentwood, Michigan, and a suburb of Grand Rapids, Michigan. My current role is community director. What that is, is we have community groups and I serve as shepherd to the the leaders. I oversee the leaders, um, giving them whatever they need. So if there's any issues or problems they have, I help them. I walk alongside them, just caring for them. So if they are stuck in a rut, what new study to go through, I just kind of like help them sort through whatever issue they are having. I also try to create new groups, you know, uh, raise up other leaders and and show them how to point out what leaders that are in their groups um, to try to, you know, raise up other leaders. And so I just constantly just pour into the leaders. And that is one role. I am also on the ordination track. So I am a licensed pastor. I just recently got licensed. And um, so I'm on the road of trying to complete my education. I have like one class left and a couple of months left of my training. In the Western denomination, you have to complete two years of training and 38 classes of 
and then you go in front of the board and um, how's your denomination divided up yes we do have districts i am in the great lake Re great lake region our region at so there's michigan wisconsin and part of illinois how do you guys do your ordination do you do it as a region or a district how do you do that region as a region yeah. okay that's interesting. So do you guys see so you have a set time? Will that be this year or will it be next year? It is different. Everything has to be done um, by a certain time frame and in you go in front of the board. They have like time frames of everything. I find it interesting because I'm on the board of ministry for for my district. And so it, I find it interesting to see how the different denominations do it. And uh, and we, mm -hmm. we, of course, we talked about this before you started recording, but there are some denominations that will ordain you first, and then you do your education and your experience and all that stuff, which I find really strange. I was at a, I was actually at a Bible college when I first started my process towards credentialing. And I had men in my class who were already ordained and they were like taking their first or maybe third class. It boggles me. Like I was saying that there's some where you you start the process and you have no in, they don't give you a date or a time of when it's, they just watch you. That, that would be mind boggling. Like how, how, you know, what is the criteria? Like, so you, you don't even know what the criteria is. You just throwing darts at a wall. Oh, that would, that would be very anxiety producing for me. I Hey, can we go back to your small groups? I want to talk about your small groups a little bit. So your small group leaders, do they choose their own curriculum? Do you have, do you like offer up curriculum? Do you all do the same thing or does that change? No. So each group, we allow each group to choose their own curriculum. Some choose to follow along with the senior pastor to take a deeper dive into his sermons and just follow along. Some choose to um, have a theme of there are women groups, so they, they just want to study women's themes. And there are, then there are some who just want to do like inductive Bible study. They, they have the power to choose whichever one. The only thing we ask, if it's something that is outside, we, we monitor it. If it comes from our studies, then we, we automatically, it's, you know, then it's free. But, but you know, like, right. we, you know, because it's ours, you know, right. we already know that yeah. the doctrine is when we, we made the, the community groups, the leader comes to us and, and says, I want to start a community group. We sit down, we have a conversation with them. We, we start to talk about it. Um, and then we get them set up. Talk to them about what community looks like. The difference between community and small life is small life group, you typically pick your small life group. Community, you do, you do not. We put them in there as they come to us. That's, That's the difference. You do not get to pick your who your neighbors are, right? Mm -hmm. And we have them, we start to talk to them to start to look at community different. And we start to tell them to look at community of everybody in your community. So there's the grocery store, there's the local McDonald's that you, you frequent. And these people, if you go to the same grocery store, you start to know the, the cashier, right. the person that's putting away your, your, your stuff, you know, yeah. and you can tell when they're having a bad day and God, the Holy Spirit will nudge you to say something kind to them. You're ministering to them. You don't get to pick which cashier. You don't get to pick the who's uh, the, the the person at McDonald's, or you don't get to pick the pharmacist. These are the people. Right. These are the people in your in your your neighborhood. Yeah. You know, we always want to think that our neighbors are the people right next door to us, or who's sitting next to us in church. You can, and sometimes you can control who you sit next to in church. Right. But you can't control all of this. So we we get them, and we're telling them, "You're gonna, we're gonna show you how to do life with people 
that sometimes doesn't think like you and right. it may not look like you. Right. right. And this is this is unity. Mm-hmm. And so the, and it's been going great. Like we we started with nine groups and we are now we got like 50. They're growing. Some of the people that come to the groups um, are not in our church. They don't they or other in other people in the neighborhood who are looking for to be a part of something. They're looking. They've been in isolation. They're searching. And sometimes they don't even know what they're searching for. We've created a, a place where wouldn't it be awesome that the people who are unchurched could come into the, your community and experience God's shalom, mm-hmm. experience peace. And that's what it's about. Yeah, it's a great, I think it's a great side door if we do it well. Because I, I remember my senior pastor in my first assignment would say uh, when he was growing up, especially in our denomination, their emphasis was really on Sunday school, which was the community group. They didn't even track Sunday morning worship. They only track their attendance in the small groups. And then everybody had a job to follow up on people and see how they were doing. And that there were actually more people who attended the Sunday school or community groups that actually came to worship because they were looking for that idea. They're looking for community and those groups, those community groups, those Sunday school classes became for the single parent. That's where the, the need was met. If there was, you know, if the dad wasn't in, involved or the mom wasn't involved or had, uh, or for whatever reason, um, that was the grandparent. They became grandparents to these kids, you know, and mm-hmm. it was, uh, you know, the person who needed the big brother or the big sister. And so that really became their community and was more important to them mm-hmm. than what they did on Sunday morning. And if, then in the eighties, that all shifted, right. And that really became mm-hmm. about Sunday morning instead of the small groups. But I feel like with this pandemic that it's creating a shift. And I think we're going back to the small groups. And as you were talking, and you made me think about this one small group, this leader, it's all, it's all women's leader. She is amazing. And her group is just taking off. She will go visit. If there is a sick one, uh, she will go visit them. She'll take, take food. She, she, whatever need there is, she tries to rally them together and they within themselves. Sometimes it rarely comes back into the church. The community works within themselves. And I know you're like, you're going to say, well, what is that? Is that Michael church? Yeah. In some way, but it has not gotten that far yet. It hasn't really taken, but it, in a way it's starting to look like it though. The way she's functioning is amazing to see how she functions and how the whole community functions within themselves. I love seeing that. We obviously we've taken a hiatus from our groups because of the pandemic, we're trying to get them relaunched in September. We'll see what, we'll see what happens. Uh, I know it's, needed. I'm pretty passionate about it. So yeah. yeah, I'm pretty passionate about it. So if you want to talk to me, yeah, well, I may do that off, off air. I may pick your brain about <laughs> some stuff because I see the need so much and the loneliness and like, we just, like, I just can't even keep up even just making phone calls, you know, pastoral calls. Mm-hmm. They just don't get that. They're not getting that interaction. So I really do see the need for us to get our small groups back up and running. And you've been there for about two years now. And so you you get your call. Talk about that. How did you get your call to move from I'm a lay person and I'm really involved and really passionate about God to, okay, I think God's calling me to step up to something even bigger of, no, this is vocational. This is ordination. I was called into ministry back in 2003 and just didn't answer the call. <laughs> I hear that. 
I and I was in another denomination. I was in Church of God in Christ, which is is a holiness church. When I was called, I received supervision. And it, it was confirmed, and I began to work in ministry in, in Church of God in Christ. Church and God in Christ, you cannot be a pastor. You can be a missionary, which a missionary in, with them is a person who kind of assists the pastor in um, a lot of the ways, assist the ministers. You can sometimes be called upon to preach. You, you do various roles. And then there are evangelists evangelists can preach. Those are uh, the women clergy, but they're not to be mistaken as pastors. They cannot do any ordinance or sacrament, but they function like a pastor. My call was the evangelist. So they, I began to train and I began to work in that field. And I was teaching Sunday school. I would assist with baptisms, with the church mothers. I did various different roles. Again, I was a very young, ma, um, young mother. I was in my 20s and when I was called, I was scared. I was very scared. My gifts were starting to come forth and I was, I was scared. I will say I functioned, but then there was a period of time where a lot of things happened and then there was a pause when uh, my brother um, passed away. And then shortly after he passed, my, bro- my, my youngest son, was diagnosed with autism. That was my breaking point. And I tied up my running shoes and I ran. And you cannot run God. I thought I did. That was how young I was. I thought I could. <laughs> and I, you actually can't. But we all know that God will cause a holy disturbance and you get rerouted back to him. I was right here at KCC Wesleyan Church. So yes, I switched from church where women could not be pastors. Yet he told me that I will speak to many nations and that I will lead many nations to a church where I can be a pastor and I could walk in this confidently. And I I said, yes. And, you know, I was under the direction of Pastor Kyle Ray, who is a pastor who not only speaks about empowering and equipping women, but he also, he believes it. Yeah, he does it. He lives this out. And then when he left, I sit under Pastor Nick Veach and he just took it to another level. And you get this protective covering. And that means a lot because with him and our district superintendent, Chris Conrad, they're giving you this protective covering that is constantly, when you go out into the world, not everybody is kind to women clergy and they (laughs) you know they're kind of mean they say things you get wounded you have to come back to your home and get bandaged up and that is where that that covering that is where you get it in your home church and and I'm thankful for that I'm thankful for that covering because I realize a lot of women doesn't don't have that and that is what makes me I'm very passionate about that I'm very passionate about um, empowering other women. I'm very passionate. If you ever see me and I post and say, well, let's be friends. I'm very passionate about trying to connect to other women because I realize that when you step outside of your your, your home church or, or you are out here sometimes in the minority, 
mm-hmm. and you can get wounded and you need somebody to to say, I'm going to hold your hand and I'm going to run with you and I got you and, and you need someone to, to run with you. That's awesome. I did get on your website and I saw you had great diversity in your, in your team and your Steve and your staff team there, both gender and uh, people of color. And it was, it was great to see that, especially with you being in the suburbs of Grand Rapids. So having, you know, more diversity and, and having, you know, looking like your community, you know, your staff looks like your communities. And then of course, just having more than one woman, <laughs> like when you have a large church, with a large debt with a lot of staff, I always feel like there's like one, one woman, right. Um, and to see that you have multiple is, is encouraging. Now you are a single mom, right? Yes, I am. And you have three boys. Three <laughs> <laughs> they are 26, 23. And my youngest is 20. He has autism. How many live with you? Just two? Two, two youngest. Will you talk a little bit about just that dichotomy of being a single parent and specifically being a single pastor? How has that shifted your perspective maybe over the last few years? I've been divorced for about five, six years now. I'm not really pictured myself as single. Kind of still had that you know, married mindset and been really busy pastoring and going to school and you know, my youngest, um, with having autism, my hands been really full. Even though I'm single, had that mindset. It's a different season. I will say it wasn't, you know, in the last 18 months, different for me, you know, because if my boys are always around, so they're always there, you know, the my 23 year old and my 20 year old. And even when my 23 year old, he always says, I'm, I'm moving out. But, and then I'm like, Hey, great. Cause I can use your room for, for my office. And then he's like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, <laughs> recently when you have boys, it's just loud and having having my three boys and my ex-husband had two boys and it was just a lot of noise and chaos, a lot of everything, a lot of smells and bells. And recently the two youngest went on trips. They were gone for like two weeks and the 20 year old, he went off with my mom. I was excited for them to go, you know, because I, I wanted that time, you know, alone that I will say probably about the fourth day is when it really hit me. And it hit me to understand what a single pastor actually has went through in this pandemic. And we're, we're all pastors, you know, we have our days of where sometimes the day is light and then there's days where it was really heavy and mm-hmm. you come home and, and there's just no one. I came home this one day and the house was just silent. You could just hear a pin drop. And I had a really heavy day. I had a really heavy load that day. And I I had nobody to eat at the table with. There was just no one. And I and I remember it's just like, is this what the, the single pastor's been going through? It's just it was just dead silence. Is this what it feels it felt like for them pastoring in this pandemic? I had to call a friend and you know, when we talked. It was such a good story. <laughs> You just stop that. I want to hear the rest of the story. Uh, Okay. So you're talking about your sons went off and you're all by yourself. And it got to day four and, you know, I had a, a, like a really heavy, heavy day. You know, that one day of ministry where it's just, you come home and there, it was just complete silence. You could hear a pin drop. And 
I remember calling, you know, calling my friend and I'm just like, this is, is this what it's like to past, you know, pastors have been going through pastoring through a pandemic. Cause I mean, it was the, the silence was, as I'm talking now, I can, I can remember hitting that door. The silence was deafening. Mm. And, you, you know, there's no one, there's no one to go back and forth with. There, it was just, there's no tangible person. And, you know, me and her, we talked and I'm just like, oh my, wow, like this, this is a new season. And I, even though, you know, I'm not really an empty nester, but we all will have to come to, to grips with this at some point in our time, you know, like all of us, okay. we'll all have to learn to embrace this solitude, how to embrace this new solitude, how to, how to recognize and to, to learn to live with this, this simplicity, because this is really what it is. There was just this, this real simplicity, simple life right there. It was just and, and I had to learn to live with it. And I had to be okay with that silence because, you know, having a lot of movement in your home and then all of a sudden there's none, this is new. This is a new season. Right. Let's think about the single pastor that, that doesn't have anyone and they had to go through this and, and they've probably have been okay with this up until they had to pastor through a pandemic. And so now if you have to go through this refocusing and a refreshing and realignment, and I don't know, you know, I've been trying to like talk to a couple of them and asking them and sitting down with them. And I just kind of feel like, and even empty nesters and like, how are you doing? How are you really doing? And, and giving them this, spiritual safe place to just really unpack that and process it because we all need that that's your your spot to to just for me to just sit there and sit still and be that silent spot like in my own house where the holy spirit was for me to just sit there yeah yeah i'm still even chewing and kicking that around because you know my kids were gone for like two weeks yeah and that doesn't sound like a lot, but for 26 years, I've always had kids, <laughs> so, <laughs> always had noise. It was a, it was a lot in that moment. And it was a lot in that moment for, um, I've never, I've never pastored in, in a pandemic. None of us has pastored in a pandemic. And, but yet this is part of our, our story. Right. And we are paving the way for those who are coming up um, behind us. We're leaving this to tell, you know, we're passing the baton to somebody else to tell them, here you go, you're, you're next. This is how you're going to make it. And this is how you're going to run. Your, your run is going to look a little different than mine, but you can still run. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to be able to write a lot of books. (laughs) (laughs) I think so. Oh yeah. (laughs) Get mileage out of this, man. It's been a crazy season. You know, I just got done with a five-day prayer retreat and it was, you know, with just by myself. And and typically I've done this last two times I've gone, my husband's gone with me. It's just been the two of us, but I thought, you know, of course I'm an introvert. You know, it's been a long season when the introverts are like, I want to see people again. Um, (laughs) But so, you know, trying to, so them being, you know, a single pastor and I believe you're an, you're extroverted, right? You're more extroverted. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like, oh gosh, where are all the people? 
So what's funny is I'm extroverted. My oldest son is extroverted. His fiance introverted. My middle son, so introverted. And they and and my youngest son, even though he's uh, he has autism, way on the extrovert. Like he just wants to talk to. He's like me. Let's all be friends. Let's all talk. <laughs> now you are involved in the WHWC Wesleyan yeah. Holiness Women Clergy Conference that's coming up, right? Yes. What's tell me about your role? What's your role on that? So I'm I'm on the planning committee. It's just a, a bunch of us um, from different, you know, all four of the denominations, all working together, just putting um, our minds together, planning this uh, conference for you guys. Now you've been to them before. How many have you been yes. to before? Actually, I've been to one. I went to the last one. Oh, you went to the last really, one. I saw the um, flyer two years out and I wanted, to, I tried to click on it and try to like sign up for it. And they were like, no, it's the next year. And I was like, oh, and I put it on my calendar to make, I was like, I'm gotta, I don't want to miss this. I'm going. And then when it was time, I hurried up and signed up. But I was like, I'm going, I got to make sure I'm there. I want to volunteer because, you know, you can volunteer to to help out. And I was like, I think I can greet. I think, yeah, I can do that. I turned out that I was a greeter and I really enjoyed it. And um, I was like, I want to do this again. And I was all through, I was like, I don't know how, how can I do this? So I automatically started sending my, my all my different pastor friends, like emails. How do I be a part of this? I just really just want to like greet. I want to be, put my name back on the, the greeters list. So how do I do this? And he was like, done. You're, you're a total greeter. I was on their radar. I didn't even know, but like, it's crazy how I ended up being on the planning committee. Cause I, I was really just trying to be a greeter. I just wanted to <laughs> see, that's how it happens. I just want to be a greeter. Next thing you know, my brother-in-law, he's a chaplain. He's, uh, or he's in the UM church, United Methodist church. He tells a story. He's when he got his call to ministry, his wife's like, I just wanted you to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> I know you do have another appointment, but I just want to just will you share maybe just one thing you're really passionate about that you're working on right now? I'm very passionate about the community group. One thing is I am working on is trying to, I had started a group. It was a small life group that I started in several years, years ago. Um, it was called Unveiling the Confident, Unveiling the Confident Woman Within Life After Brokenness. I am trying to get that back up um, and really just got that before God and seeing like how, what is, how does he want that to be revamped? Cause it was something I ran out of my, you know, out of my house and then I brought it to the church and then, you know, back to my house. But as I begin to get further and further on the ordination track, I had to push pause on that. These women were not only um, in Grand Rapids. Some of them were in um, Europe and in Jamaica. Like so, it was it was virtual and in person. And they're all doing great, and they're off. So I, I would start with a whole new group again, and walking alongside them during you know these difficult times, helping them become more confident. And it takes okay. it takes a lot, and helping them through basically biblical truths, re having them see past their the brokenness and see their their true identity in Christ. It's step by step. And sometimes you're, yeah. there's there are pauses. That is something that I do have before God. 
you can't be praying for me and anyone else that's out there that hears this, <laughs> please pray for me. But yeah, because I am I passionate will. about that. Awesome. I will add that to my prayer list. I'll be praying for you as God gives you direction on how and when to launch it. And I'll be excited to hear. So keep me updated. And of okay. course, I will see you at the po- I will see you at the conference. Yes. So you need to come by the podcast booth and say, hey, I will, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do some live podcasting while I'm there. So I'll get you on there and we'll, I don't know, chat about something. (laughs) I'm always willing to chat. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for taking time. I really appreciate this. Thank you for having me. Thank you, everyone. All right. (laughs) You have a good afternoon.